Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase. Thanks for joining me. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I'm really psyched to have you here for this really special episode, and I want to welcome those that are new to Roadcase, and I want to remind those, uh, if you'd like to get involved with the Roadcase community, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. We have a Patreon site at patreon.com slash roadcasepod. We also, uh, you can also follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, my handle is at Roadcase Pod, and we have a YouTube channel, Roadcase Podcast. And you can also support this podcast by subscribing on your favorite listening platform, which presumably you're listening on right now. And if you could, while you're there, rate and review this podcast, that would be awesome. So this week, I'm really happy to have Robert Finley on Roadcase. Robert is a blues artist who currently records with Dan Auerbach's Easy Eye Sound. Robert came to prominence uh, rather late in life. Uh, he's 67 years of age now, but like his first album that he didn't record until 2016, uh, entitled Age Don't Mean a Thing, that's actually a motto that Robert lives by. Um, he's pursued his dream and passion of music pretty much his whole life, and as always, uh, his music has always been based in performing, and um, while he had a hard scrabble life uh, early on, grew up in a family of sharecroppers, and we'll hear those stories, um, he also grew up in the church uh, performing gospel and performing for the churchgoers, um, and that was something that really intrigued him from an early age. Um, he got his first guitar at 12 in a rather interesting way, um, and uh, he's just always at it from that point forward. Um, he enrolled in the military at 19, spent some time in Germany, came back, worked as a carpenter until he was diagnosed with glaucoma and began to lose his sight. And he's uh, very much visually uh, impaired at this age. Um, a little bit later on, he was discovered and got connected with Music Maker Relief Foundation, which is a foundation that helps blues artists in the South. And then he got connected with Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys. Dan produced Robert's latest album that's coming out on May 21st called Sharecropper's Son, a bio autobiographical account of Robert's life. Robert is a walking quote machine. He has so many amazing stories to tell and just has a uh, gratitude um, self-described about how he's walked through life and the experiences that he's had. He's very reflective. He has a ton of great stories. Um, 
His life has been a long and amazing one, and he's just going strong now. His latest work is really phenomenal. Robert was also featured on America's Got Talent a couple of years ago, which is an interesting story, um, and brought him to another level of prominence as he rose in the ranks of that show and almost got to the finals there. But um, Robert was just such a wonderful person to talk to. I'm so glad I got to spend some time uh, talking to him and learning about his life. And I know that all of you will find it very, very interesting for this special interview. Um, I want to thank all of you for joining me. Uh, we just kind of jump right into this and in somewhat of an or unorthodox beginning to the interview. We sort of bypass the formalities, as you'll hear, but uh, that's the way it goes. And uh, it's a great interview. So thanks again for tuning in for this episode. And thanks again to Robert Finley for being here on Roadcase. And here we go. Uh, you got me. Yeah, perfect, perfect. What do you got oh, in the background okay. there? Yeah. Is that your bar? That's your bar up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting. I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. at my bar. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sitting at the bar. I tell them, you know, I have to practice. Uh, when you when you party for a living, you have to stay in practice. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well. It's good the religious upbringing hasn't um, hasn't stopped you from uh, enjoying a little bit of the uh, the holy sacraments, if the uh, as you as you as it were, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I may be criticized for it, but uh, I often say uh, the good Lord wouldn't have turned water to wine if He didn't want nobody to drink it. Yeah, and, true. <laughs> and that that was His first miracle, and uh, the. Last thing he did was the Last Supper, and, and they drink and ate, and he says, often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So if you're going to believe the Bible, you got to believe everything it says. So I try to <laughs> do it in remembrance of him as often <laughs> There you, you go. Know. Well, I can learn. I can learn a lot about the Bible from you. I'm not. I don't know too much about the Bible. Uh, I know a little bit about Old Testament stuff, being Jewish myself. But I got a healthy respect for the role that it plays. Well, that faith obviously plays a role in in music and such, and seems like it's it's um, played a role in in your life and music. I mean, you kind of grew up in the church and gospel, and I I think I understood that's sort of one of your first introductions to music, right? Kind of. Yeah, I joined the choir at age of seven. I got baptized and went right into the choir stand. Yeah, and and I had been trying to sing before I was baptized, but my dad wouldn't let me join the choir until I got old enough to get baptized. Oh, yeah. So the, it's like <laughs> kind of a, you had an incentive to get more involved so you could get up on uh, up there and sing. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to do it, uh, but uh, they didn't allow kids in the choir. So if you wasn't a, a member, if you didn't belong to the choir, you couldn't get up there. So I and, and my dad didn't want me to join. He said, uh, you need to know what, what commitment you're making. You know, you got to know what you're getting into. Uh, he didn't want me to get baptized and not know the true meaning of, of what was, you know, what I was committing to. Right. So, uh, yeah, a uh, little, uh, like I said, we, did, we, we didn't get a lot of education as far as school. 
Well, we got a lot of wisdom. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, I, I gathered yeah. that, man. Uh, like, and something interesting that you had said was um, that I read where you said, uh, yeah, I mean, you had a difficult upbringing in a in a um, not not with no advantages whatsoever. <laughs> I, right? I mean, I mean, but what I really enjoyed what you said was that when you're you're a kid, you're a kid. Yeah, and you don't know. And you grew up that way and you sort of you dealt with what you had and that was your kids that was your life growing up in that in that environment. Mm -hmm. What was that kind of what was that what was it like like kind well, of big picture? Well, I mean, like you say uh we we were poor but we didn't know it, you know, cuz right. We we had more you know, we were blessed in many ways because we raised food even though we had to work to get it, to harvest it and stuff but we raised truck patches and so we always had plenty of green vegetables and watermelons yeah. and tomatoes, any kind of fruit, that things that like that, you know, any, any vegetables that was in the garden, we pretty much had it, you know? And, um, so, uh, corn on the cob and all that stuff, we grew our own, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we had more than enough food, but it was the work to keep it. That 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 was hard about it. I right. mean, being a sharecropper, you 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 get your share of food because you you had it firsthand, you know. Um, yeah. But but you don't. Um, the money part is what I don't. I didn't think I ever got. You know, I never got. I think I still got forty acres and a mule somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the share the share word in sharecropping is kind of yeah. like a misnomer, right? I mean. Right, but you could just, but you you were able to to eat what you gathered, obviously. But oh you yeah, yeah. Paid. We, you guys we, were not getting paid anything. Well, we 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 got paid a little bit, but it was so little. Yeah, till, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, even when we finish our fields and gather off all our uh, vegetables, if we doing, uh, the work never ran out. Right, because. Uh, you pick green peas and you shell peas and you put them in the, in, the, in you know, we didn't have deep freezers. So, you, you know, my mom would cook them and cane them and have them in jars mm -hmm. so that, so that, uh, all we had to do was open, open the jar, uh, warm it up and open the jar. Uh, so she could cook the peas and the butter beans and okra and stuff and, and put it up in the jars so we we would have it when it was out of season so we right. pretty much had we had everything all season that's about you know maybe not the watermelons and stuff like that but my dad had a way of preserving and uh, to what we had everything year round we never oh, ran yes. out of, yeah we never he made sweet potato beds and big pile of sweet potatoes and and oh, like was, preser preserving it, like uh, like in a can, and like in a jar, kind of thing. Yeah, but he would, oh, he would put a, he would make a big pile and he cover it up with shucks and and uh, huh. corn stalks and and hay, huh. and whenever you wanted potatoes, uh, you just go out and and uh, stick your hand in the hole of the side of it and get your potatoes and cover the hole back up. And we never huh. ran out. Of, we never ran out of stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, 
Uh, one of the great things is we were taught survival. Mm-hmm. And uh, with or without electricity, I, uh, we know how to go on, you know. Uh, with or without gas, we, we know too many ways to, to prepare a meal. So when you didn't have it, see, we didn't, we had a wooden stove. You know, I, yeah. I cooked my first pound of bread on a wooden stove. Uh, and from sitting there watching my mama do it, and then uh, I had an older sister that was there, and I asked her to cook me some, and she didn't want to do it right then. She'll cook it like when she get ready, and that wasn't <laughs> fast enough for me, so <laughs> I took to I took to the kitchen. You know, so you'd be you'd be like quite a camper these days if you wanted to go out camping. I mean, you basically grew up just like uh, self sufficient yeah, yeah. and like you know making your own food and gathering your own food. I mean, for what it was, you know, it sounds like you have a, you know, do you miss, do you kind of miss that? Are you nostalgic for that at all? Like in a way, like it was your childhood growing up. It's not the traditional childhood. That's for sure. I still do uh, some of those things, you know, uh, I'm an outdoor person. Uh, Mm -hmm. I still like to make a campfire, you know, and, uh, uh, I learned how to, uh, like, say, I, I love the barbecue and, and and I don't mind experimenting, you know, uh, to try to come up with new recipes. Uh, my motto is if it tastes good, swallow it. If it ain't good, spit it out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you swallowed it, it's too late to spit. I think, wait, yeah. if it tastes good. Yeah. If it, if it don't taste good, good, spit it out. If it does taste yeah. good, swallow it or something yeah. like that. Get, you yeah. want to make sure you get the order right on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, but if it's good, till you go ahead and swallow it. But if it ain't, you need to spit it out. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, was a, that was pretty much my motto. And, and I come up with some hell of a recipes for stuff all the time that nice i mean if, if you like two different things wh- why why you can't put them together you know as, <laughs> as one <laughs> true yeah because like and so, hot sauce so- hot sauce louisiana hot sauce will cure yeah. anything too right <laughs> that'll cure the common cold probably cures covid for god's sake and put a, put a little hot sauce on it yeah right let it, let it i see but, i think i i see a robert finley cookbook coming down the the pike or something like yeah, that yeah you know i i probably could uh come up with a cookbook, cookbook i mean uh, you put your face with the hat and your <laughs> smiling face with the beard the goatee on on any book and that thing's gonna just fly off the shelves let me tell you <laughs> I, I would like to uh do a book uh yeah like, like to say the songs the album tells the story pretty much but uh yeah it does you only got three and a half minutes per song to tell about each subject you know three to four right. minutes mm-hmm. uh and it's hard to crumb a lifetime in, in, in into an album because like say you got 10 songs yeah you know, and probably three minutes a piece so you you got 30 minutes yeah. to tell to tell a lifetime story and in my case, it's six to seven years. You got a lot of albums coming up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, uh, so you got three yeah. albums. I'm trying to do the math here. You got a lot yeah. of material coming up. Yeah, uh, so now I got to come out. Uh, 
I, I can say I, I got to come out to stall running. Uh, and people ask me about uh, being ready to go back to the, uh, you know, back on the road. Mm-hmm. And man, uh, I'm like a, a horse in a stall. I'm just oh, waiting on to op- open the gate because I'm, I'm about to go crazy sitting here. Uh, yeah. Uh, have you done anything? Have you been able to get together with anybody in a safe in way or what you've been, uh, what, how, what have you been well, doing? Well, basically I just going to church and, uh, we wear the masses and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, practice this social distance there at the church. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, um, uh, I'm, I'm like the only person that, uh, on the little stage I'm on and the piano players on the other side of the church and and you know the drummer is is there down uh, from me. He's down below me. So mm-hmm. we practice all the safety, but we were doing you know, like I said, it ain't it ain't the same um, as being able to mingle. Uh, when you the you know the people is what yeah. it's what it's all about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that's, that's in, everybody, in everybody's complaint, right? I mean, geez, mm-hmm. it's like that's the worst but, but, thing, right? But now, on for the uh, the people is uh, is the one that you really uh, are trying to please in R and B and in blues and rock and roll and jazz. But when you're doing the gospel, mm-hmm. it's not about you or the people. It's about the belief and it's about the faith, and so you had a job to do and mm. people, you know, so many people depending on you to, to, to do your job because, and I guess it's just like a first responder. Uh, musicians have a, a responsibility to people too, because to their fans. Yeah. Um, right. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And, and, uh, they, if they are afraid to step out on, now at the same time, I don't want I don't want to bring all my friends and fans together if it's not safe. Yeah, of and course that's not. one of the reasons that's one of the reasons why I've been kind of like a stay at home person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you and you're doing you're you're doing well to do that because you gotta stay safe personally too, you know. So we're all doing what we can. But I wanted to ask you, you sort of made this distinction and maybe I'm maybe I'm drawing this is a weird conclusion, but you were talking about how blues, music, you're going directly to the fans. Gospel, you said you're talking about the faith, right? You have a job to do. Is that distinct when you're in a church setting, singing in a gospel choir, for example, or perform, like, quote unquote, I don't know if you call it performing in a church, so I don't know what the right word is to use, so excuse me for that, but if you're you know, you're, you're creating music in, 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 in a, in a church setting. Do you feel like you're performing at that, at that point? Uh, well, see, uh, on that, like I say, when you, when I'm in church, I'm not really performing. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying out, you know, uh, I'm, I'm more or less trying to deliver mm. a message. Yeah. Uh, that's the distinction it, I think. Yeah. yeah the, the, the music is a ministry. And it's it's just as important as the uh, as the message itself because mm-hmm. 
the preacher has a role and the choir has a role to get people to open up to really hear the preacher. Yeah. And uh, sometimes people won't listen to the preacher because, you know what I'm saying, if they don't know anything or don't hadn't been introduced to anything, mm-hmm. they really don't want to hear the preacher. Yeah. But the songwriter can take that same sermon and put a little music to it and sing what the preacher was trying to preach. Right, right. You're performing and a pre- function kind of just like to yeah, convert they, what the preacher's trying to say and make it more interesting. Cause like music is yeah. way more interesting than for me, like to hear someone talk about religion. I mean, I like, <laughs> I don't no, know. I'm that's just saying, my, that's uh, my view. No, if, you, if you're singing about it, then people are more to open up to it. So yeah, that's why I said, yeah, yeah. you got, you got to have a positive. If you're going to deliver a message, it just needs to be positive. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Cause uh, if, uh, if it's negative, Mm-hmm. Then people have enough problems already in life, and you know you got you got an opportunity to put smiles on people's face. And what I like about it is when I come off the stage, everybody's got a smile on their face, and that means I did my job. And yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't matter if they about the color, the race, or the nationality of the person. The music penetrated, and I got to the job done yeah now it it depends on what i sing about uh and you would sometimes think people are not listening if you're doing a little social you know a little social gathering and you would think people are really not listening because people are talking and um you know uh, and socializing and stuff yeah but if you're wondering are they listening just stop and then she wanted everybody. To, <laughs> right. Everybody. Yeah, it's like the elementary school teacher when they just yeah, like, yeah. all right, I'm stopping, and all the kids are quiet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, if if the music is used right, it it's a tool. Yeah. And, oh and yeah. You can uh, whether it's gospel, blues, R and B, jazz, but it's still. Uh, need to just be positive, you know, just just something good about it. And, but th- right. this album, uh, this album of Sharecropper Son, is more of a historical uh, finding done done anything because it's re- it's a replete of history. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not made up it's not fabricated it's the real deal yeah i watched the video i I watched the video yesterday that came out it's extraordinary really i mean and i know i know you're walking through is that the town near where you is that the town where you grew up (laughs) i mean Uh it's extraordinary tell me about what that was like for you know and so you had this video when one of the singles from your the new album that comes out on may uh may 21st i think uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's easy to remember cause it's my sister's birthday and, um, right. But this video is great. I loved, I absolutely, I've watched it like six times already. It's so cool. <laughs> the little color accents also are amazing. 
Um, but w- so what was that like to come back to that environment and reflect on your life? And um, I could have, uh, I could have did it differently, but uh, I was like, I could have dressed up and, uh, and, and, and you know, and fixed up and did a Marlin shoot, but uh, nobody would wear suits and ties in the cotton field. So, <laughs> you know, you got to just, you know, keep it real to make it to, now you may would have had a white shirt, you know what I'm saying, and a pair of overalls that you could put on on the Sunday. But most of the time, you know what I'm saying, you wasn't dressed to impress. You was, uh, if you put on clean clothes, you know what I'm saying, they, they, They'd be dirty as soon as you got in the field, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it depends on. I wanted this album to be historic history for something that young people that uh, only thing they know about is the history book. It's what you know the history book said. Right. And if this album go out and it could be used in schools as a learning tool, you know, because uh, I do perform at the local schools here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I did everything from the preschool. I've did the uh, libraries, you know, during the Black History Month. Uh, I do that. Uh, I've did the oh, nursing home. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I played everything every kind of business around here from the preschool to the, to the nursing home. Uh, wow. And used to do horse pillows and stuff occasionally, you know, and are just, you talking like in the last couple of years is you do this? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I was, okay. I was doing this up until the uh, pandemic started, you know, uh, oh, okay. uh, I was doing this until they shut the schools down. I mean, uh, right. I did, like I say, I did Black History Month uh, for the uh, library, uh, the right. parish library. Right. Uh, and I would go down and I'd, I'd perform and, and uh, you know, go back as far as I could with right. the, the music. And, you know, the kids all seeing it, love it, and they enjoy it. They look forward to it. Yeah. Um, I've had kids that in preschool that didn't, you know, kind of like you might would say a slow learner, but really the ca- the child, there's nothing wrong with the child. It's just he's hyperactive. Uh, or maybe sometimes it's, it, it, the school is too slow for them. Uh, you know, you got to keep Yeah, them, yeah, they can't. Keep, yeah, you have to keep these kids interested. But uh, is, is, is what you're saying is that, so... I, I asked you about the, the, the video and, um, and you're talking about giving back to the community. Is that so kind of made you think about ways in which you're coming back and talking to the, and being part yeah, of the community I, and coming back and such. Cause you've been out on a national stage. You were rediscovered as an artist, so to speak. I mean, if I, for lack of a better term, I and mean, we can get more into that, <laughs> we can get more into that. Cause I'm, I'm sure it didn't feel like it wasn't a rediscovery for you, but it was a, you know, come to prominence on a national stage in a yeah. number of different ways through the music maker relief fund fund that I'd like to talk to you about as well. But it's that bigger kind of, broader picture and then bringing it back down to 
the the family environment and 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 that home but you still have that sense that you're connected to that to the earth to the roots to your roots really in, in more ways than one would that would that be fair yeah uh i think what, what it is uh you want to uh and and i you know i'm gonna put it like this the reason why i say i'm double blessed here i am uh making a complete change of lifestyle within uh, the last five years, just say, uh, when it's sudden changes. Uh, I know where I, I come from. Uh, I'm trying to tell my story and allowed to tell it my way. That, that's a super blessing. But what I noticed is, see, uh, here is, show you like this. Uh, this is the little town I live in, Bernice. I don't know if you can see that. Or not. This is the little town I live in. Oh yeah, and, uh, you're showing me this. Uh, the oh, the key to the city of Bernice. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and then uh, they named a day after me. Called, when was uh, when? I didn't see the date on that. What was that, Robert? Uh, it was uh, presented yeah, lift it up a little me. bit. I can't see it. <laughs> Tell me what the year is. I can't see it. Oh, wait, uh, yeah, hold it up there. What year? Uh, no, it year? doesn't have it, it doesn't say a year on it. <laughs> oh, no, it, but uh, it was given but to recently, me, uh, relatively yeah, recently. Okay, yeah, uh, just to get some con, just to get some context. Last, last year, uh, it was 2019. Yeah, oh, was, yeah. It, okay. It, it, yeah. yeah, it was in twenty. Thanks, Christy. Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, what happened was, you know, what I'm saying to most people don't get a holiday name after them yeah. until they decease. Right. Uh, even even George Washington didn't have a holiday name after until after he was deceased. Martin Luther King was 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 deceased for years before he got a holiday name after. Right, but to be so, I'm double blessed because here I am, alive and witnessing a Robert Finley Fun Day. Yeah. And so every year, uh, it's up to me to to keep the dream alive. But there were two cities, uh, the hometown where I was born, raised in Winsboro. They had presented me with the key to my hometown. And uh, oh, that's another. That's another. That's a separate one. The key to yeah, Winsboro. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we got a holiday now that's called Robert Finley Fun Day. Oh and, wow! Uh, and and uh, that's the day that the mayor and the town council all got together and uh, named that date and honored me with that day. So it's it's a day. Uh, and it was focused on the kids too. It was called. It was basically saying put down the guns and pick up the books. But uh it was trying to stop the teenagers violence on against one another. So Yeah. So what does but, that mean uh, what does that mean to you to get that kind of recognition? Well, uh that that's uh part of the vision, I mean part of the dream. I you know, you that's what you would want to you would want to be known for something positive. Absolutely. And that's that's why I always 
try to focus on on positive things. I mean, I could talk about the negative and and but uh, it's not what you've been through; it's what you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And, and so you <laughs> you got them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting well yeah. i mean unless you're doing an interview unless you're an interviewer i want to know what you but i want to know both i want to know what you've been through <laughs> and where you're going <laughs> well yeah you know uh the sky's the limit uh i got a sign in my yard say shoot for the moon and if you miss you'll land among the stars there you so go you never right. uh you never quit scribing it to be better now uh well, like now you've got this legacy and they're recognizing you on these days, like these Robert Finley days in Winsboro and Bernice, but not too long ago, you were, you, you, you had come out of the military quite, you know, in the seventies, right. Came back to Louisiana, worked as a carpenter. Couldn't do that anymore because you had a visual impairment due to glaucoma. Correct. And then, that's right. And then, um, you, you got brought up into prominence through the um, the music maker relief fund, who discovered you, right, busking or something, and, and yeah, so and, so you've been on on all ends of these spectrums, right? And now you're at this point. It's 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 fascinating to me, and um, that you have so much reflection for that as well. Um, well, you, you know, like I say, uh, you, you don't burn no bridges because uh, you don't know what you may have to go back across. True. So, yeah. So I try to keep a relationship with even with with everybody that I to deal with to where we can always work together again. Um, and I I like all of all of the uh, studios I've been in. I never had a problem, negative problem with it, with anybody in them. Uh, but it it like it's like this. No matter how much. No matter how much you love uh, your teacher, just say in school, uh, no matter how much, how good the teacher were or how much you love the teacher, at the end of the year, you got to go to the next grade. And then right. you go to, you got to go from elementary school to high school. Mm-hmm. And you can't take your elementary teacher <laughs> with you. You know, you, right. can, you, you can always remember what she done for you or he done for you. But they understand and they want you to be all you can be. And sometimes you can be you you can help every everybody that that touch you in your life, you know what I'm saying? If you just remember and reflect on where you come from, say, I wouldn't have been here, I wouldn't have met this guy if it hadn't been for this guy, and I wouldn't have met them if it hadn't been for being with them. And yeah. you, each step by step. You have to remember the way up the ladder, because that's the same way back down. Yeah, and, and has that has that positive attitude sustained you throughout your life, or is that something that you've sort of come into now that you're in kind of a level of prominence now and have um, a successful recording career? Well, uh, no, it's always it's always been. Uh, I mean, that's from childhood. It's always been to where uh, you you know. I guess you how you say that's the way I was raised, but it's it's always been like that. Uh, you got to look at the best, get the best of, of, that you can out of any situation. Because if uh, if you don't, you know what I'm saying, there's no need to cry over spilled milk. Yeah, uh, it, 
if the milk is wasted, uh, you know, why you why you crying? You, you need to go find the cow or, or go back to the store, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so in my case, I didn't have to go to the store. We just go out the back door with a year of corn, and the cow would walk up for the year of corn, and then you get your right. glass of Sneak milk. Sneak back behind <laughs> them. <laughs> Hope they don't one kick feed, you in the head. Yeah, one, one feed, feed them uh, through the fence while they couldn't get the milk, you know. We always had teamwork, but see, when you when you don't know, then it's uh, like, you know, average kids just don't know. Mm -hmm. And if they don't know, then uh, it, 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 it doesn't matter because they don't, they don't know, you know, they just do what you do, what, what you see the, everybody else doing. And that's all the way, uh, that's a part of growing up because your older siblings, whatever they done, that's what, you know, you couldn't wait to get big enough to do, you know? Right. <laughs> and yeah, and your were, were your your family was um was mu musical your your oh, siblings yeah, the, and such. Oh, the whole family uh, sings. Uh, everybody sings. Right. Um, we had we had family, a family. Uh, you know, we just go and just our family sing family quartet. Mm -hmm. My dad sung with a quartet. My mom sung quartet. So you got mom and dad doing something, and uh, they loving it you grow up doing what, you know. Yeah, for sure. It, it, yeah. Except, except you famously acquired a guitar because you took money that was supposed to be going towards shoes. <laughs> I mean, you're never going to live that down now. I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's a true fact. Uh, how, like how hard did your parents lean on you when you did that? I mean, cause if they were, if they were musical, then they were like, Oh, you, we asked you to buy shoes, but Oh, I really like that. He, pot the guitar or <laughs> this kid's got something my, going on. My mom loved it. She just, she just loved it. When I first I you know, she was there. She wanted to hear me play the first tune on it. Uh, oh, nice. But my, yeah. But, but uh, every time I learn a tune, I'd go straight to my mom and, and play it for her. Uh, but my dad, uh, he was, he was like, you spent all that money. On that dang guitar and can't play mama's baby. And that was that was his word. He never disciplined me about it. Uh he just told me that if I wanted some shoes, I would, you know, I'd find work and buy them myself because he wasn't gonna he wasn't giving the money for no shoes no more. And well, I was going that seemed that seemed appropriate. Yeah, and uh, so <laughs> I, I had mow yards and stuff to uh to make the money back to to, to yeah. buy the shoes but i i did that uh but uh i was that was another reason i guess that was made me determined to play it because my dad had said you haven't been all that money on that thing can't play mama's baby and so i was determined to play mama's baby mm -hmm. and uh and so i I I mean I'd play I'd have blisters on my finger I bust the blister and I'd play and make another and I just I try to learn how to play with another fingers while that one get well right and, wow and you know and I I I tried playing with a guitar pick but if you drop the pick in the middle of a song you know what I'm saying then you got stop 
the song, right. stop the music, pick up the pick, and, go. and well, finally, or, I just, or you hold on to the pick during the song. What what was it about the pick that made you keep dropping it? <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd be hitting too hard. I'd be too excited. And, there you go. Because I would, I would actually break them. You know, I really I'd wow. To, to one side, break off, and then I, I turn around, play the other corner, to it break off. Oh yeah. But I would just tear them up. So uh, you just said, forget it. I'm just not going to uh, do it anymore. I, well, that's cool. I, I just, but uh, yeah, I, I would tear, 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 pick up. Right today, I don't, I, you know, I don't use them for anything. Mm-hmm. So did you play in the church uh, guitar, or how did you start playing um, and getting more into guitar and and blues and and such? Well, uh, I have been playing. Like, say, I played. I joined my first quartet when I was twelve. Uh, mm. I was playing for a group called Gospel Bells, mm. and I played for them a while, and then uh, I, I'd start playing for them, start playing for my, my mother's group. She was in a group called the Harmony Five, and, uh, you know, there was a family group. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I started playing for for them. But uh, like I said, before my dad passed, he uh, he got to hear me perform because uh, I was like I say I started playing for this gospel quartet and he would always uh buy whatever uniforms we had to have and stuff. He was real supportive of it until uh one day I had the blues and I started picking the blues and so he didn't buy me he was gonna buy me a a, a new guitar and when I, after he heard me playing the blues he wouldn't do it. He said uh that was, you know, I was gonna play the devil's music. I was oh, gonna have seriously? to get it myself. Yeah, and so wow. I, he was gonna buy me my first electric guitar. That's what I had always wanted was an electric guitar, mm-hmm. and uh, I had never had one of them. So I wind up eventually having to buy the first one of them myself too. I got it. So, yeah. <laughs> so what was your first one, and when did you buy it? Uh the first one I bought was was actually uh, a used guitar and a friend of mine had it and I used to go to his house and play play it and he'd set it up in the yard and we and I'd play it. And uh they, finally he I got him to to sell it to me. And uh so I I bought a used. It was I don't really remember the Exact name brand of it. It wasn't an expensive guitar. Yeah. How old were Just you? Uh, I was still in my teens. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was probably 14, 15. Right. Uh, I had been, like I say, the, the group that I played for, they furnished, you know, the guitars. All I had to do was play it. And oh, so it was a little while I wound up, you know, to get one of my own purchase my own guitar right and so what what um and you decided to you join the army i went in the army at the age of 19 19 yeah and uh-huh. i went in on my 19th birthday uh-huh well yeah i went i went in the day after my 19th birthday and uh, right. i enrolled and you know so that would make me whenever i did decide to get out i would get out on my birthday Right. But, uh, yeah, um, it was it was fun. You know, I joined. I I I I was I was in the band in basic training. I was in the band in 
AIT, and uh, when I went to permanent duty station, I was in the band. So I just looked like everywhere I went, the doors would just open up for the music. Uh, yeah, you played your way through the uh, through Europe, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I tell you the truth, uh, ain't nothing to brag about, but uh, I, I got in a little trouble when I was, uh, you know, young, young man and played my way out of that. Uh, I actually uh, played, uh, it was the music that got me. You ever heard of a man getting kicked out of prison? <laughs> no. Well, I did. <laughs> really? I, I, I right. did. Uh, I was in Germany, and uh, the the warden said he didn't he didn't want me in his in his in his prison. I mean, it wasn't doing anything bad. I mean, but I was always in the music, and I had well, I the judge had told me. You know how the judge say if you come back for me, bring your suitcase. You're gonna do some time, you know. Uh, and uh, I didn't know uh, think the Bible. When I went to court, I took my guitar to court with me. I got to playing my music, and the uh, prisoners got you know everybody got. I was playing jailhouse rock and anything else I could think of, <laughs> and uh, this ain't. You know, this 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 is a prison. It's not a a social event. I mean, what? And so, you're not. In other words, you ain't supposed to be happy in jail. Yeah, There's too many happy people. So he just so he told me I I I, can, I had to, you know I had to go. He gave me an option, but uh, my sergeant came and told me that the warden said he didn't want me down there. Cause see, I, you know, so, I, <laughs> so you basically got kicked out of prison for having too much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I say, you make the <laughs> best of every situation. Um, yeah, apparently. You know, I, 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 uh, you don't hear that very often. Music, uh, you know, like they they had a preacher came in and was ministering, mm -hmm. and uh, so I started playing music for him uh, while he was ministering. That would make more and more prisoners come to the uh to the to the to the uh revival yeah and uh so uh they uh eventually threw me out of there and i was like what do you what do you mean uh he said well the jury the you know the warden always don't want you in there i had people coming to church i mean Prisoners was 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 coming to the uh, revival that had never been church since they've been in there, and they because I would, I you know I'd be playing gospel music, but I knew how to soup it up and make it make you know make it sound danceable. So Just, when, uh, did, when when did you come when did you come back from from uh, from there? I came back from Germany in seventy six. I want to say seventy five, seventy six, early right. seventy six. And then yeah, you worked. I had, as, yeah, go ahead. Had, sorry. No, I, you know, I had to be back in the states before ETS, cause uh, so I had to come back. What is that? That that means you use earn uh, earn time serve or uh, oh, whatever. Okay. I don't know. You know, once you finish your time in the military, that you uh, right. it's the same thing as graduating. I guess you would look at it like. And then uh, he's, and then I think you were working as a job as a carpenter, right? But did you keep um? Did you? When you when you came back, did you continue to 
Were you in a band? Were you playing? What was your musical experience when you came back to the States after military? Well, when I came back to the States after military, the only music you could really get going basically was gospel uh, quartet. Mm-hmm. And uh, because there were, uh, there were, you know, when, when no where to perform in the first yeah. place, where there was nowhere to perform. And then the musicians were not dependable. Uh, in the military, if you had rehearsal at two o'clock, everybody was there or they were AWOL. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was, it was, it was on the strict order that you be where you're supposed to be uh, on right. time. Right. But in the civilian world, people like show up when they get ready or they'll wait. <laughs> uh, they ain't going to start on time. No, so I, you know, it's hard to get people to be consistent. Right. So, I trained myself. I I started to train myself to do uh, solos because you know that way if if I'm there, the party's on. I mean, I didn't have to yeah. wait on nobody. Right. So just like booking yourself as a solo artist or doing right. solo work, just playing, singing, and playing guitar. Yeah, I was just singing and playing guitar by myself. I also had to have the ability to go on without the band uh, mm-hmm. because some places are not big enough for a band you know yeah, some too, places, right? mm-hmm. and uh so uh it, you you have to uh how you say get in where you fit in it's a lot of places now that i would love to take my band but they don't have anywhere big enough for them to set right, up now you got the opposite problem <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but but now see uh I think, you know, one of the greatest things, you know, to say to go from, uh, I've been doing a little local TV, doing gospel on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even had my own little gospel show on the radio, uh, Brother Finley and the Gospel Sisters. Yeah. And were you yeah. working, you were working at the same time as well? Uh, yeah, I, I work at- Doing uh, carpentry, doing, right? Doing or... carpentry. Yeah, I did uh-huh. home remodeling. Uh, as a matter of fact, I quit doing it for the general public and started doing it for the housing authority. So it was like, you know, um, if you're good enough to satisfy the government, you're good enough to satisfy anybody. So were you doing, so, so were you, um, were you, did you consider yourself primarily a performing and some kind of touring musician to the extent possible could you have envisioned where you would be right now were you working to get to this point or what was your what was your mindset well you know it, it always been a it, it always been a a, a a part of the dream you know with, mm-hmm. to uh that was the whole thing from the beginning is to try to uh become a professional or a musician or songwriter um, uh, but it's all about being in the right place at the right time. I mean, because a lot of people have the ability to do, but they don't get the opportunity to. Right. And, and I think the fact that continuous and faithfulness to anything, you stay at it long enough and not, not give up on it. And see, so many people give up on their dream before the the dream even gets started. Uh, 
Yeah. Because we want to start off at the top. Um, it's good to start from the bottom because the foundation, uh, the better your foundation, the higher you can have a possibility of going. Uh, and it's gotta be anchored and starting with nothing and then get an opportunity to get it all, uh, is a way of telling the world that, uh, it's possible for me. It's possible for you. It's possible for everybody. See, yeah, some people yeah, yeah. are born with born with a silver spoon in their mouth, or they uh, they they've always had it all, and it was always right. hand to them. And when you get it that way, you don't really appreciate it what you got until you lost it. How to say you don't miss your water till your well run dry. Right. Uh, so, uh, but uh, if you they focus on on a on, on your on your on your dream and not not ever give up on it, even if it ain't happening. It don't mean you're supposed to stop trying to make it happen. Yeah, See? I mean, and and you you had the, the the musical desire, and you worked hard at your craft, and you you constantly kept at it, right? And then. And then what happened? What was that time when you felt like you were in the, did you find yourself in the right place at the right time at some point? Yeah. Uh, I did a little album in, uh, California. Uh, I, it, it, it was, a called a lifetime of blues. And, uh, we actually did it in a little, a little studio and, with a three, four piece band. And I was just out there uh, on a vacation and played in a, went to play at an open mic one night. Round about what year? Uh, this was in uh, 99, uh -huh. 98, 99. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I, I did this, this little album. First, I didn't put my four songs on it. And that was the only complaint most people had. It wasn't enough songs on the CD. <laughs> That's and, a good uh, complaint to have. Yeah. And so uh, I went back and put six more songs onto the same CD. Uh, but, I, you know, I had it, I had it on the reel-to-reel, and I think I still got it. Matter of fact, I still got them on the reel-to-reel. But I played it, and uh, they came back and they played it on the radio, and everybody loved it. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I say, without the uh, contacts or knowing who to get it and who hand to put it in, right. uh, uh, then a lot of great talent go to waste because they don't know. And, and people looking for it, you know what I'm saying? But there's nobody out there displaying it. And see, with me, I would do what, like I said, do something at the TV station, uh, do a little, you know, sing a few gospel songs. I sung a few blues on there uh, doing a TV show it was called Good Day Arkansas. Uh right. It didn't run for long, but the little time it ran, 
I would just play as they travel, as they change from one thing to the other. Uh, so it was, it was kind of fun. And I ran into a guy there that was doing a commercial for his restaurant. And, uh, I, I decided I would, uh, talk to him, taste the food. And uh, we got to talking. And I told him, he said he had two restaurants. I said, well, all you need is some blues. And he said, yeah, maybe you try it out. <laughs> and, uh, so I went down there on a Tuesday and, uh, he just said, well, you'll come told me where the place was at. Come down next Tuesday and uh, see what you think. So I went there and played and, uh, he wasn't there. So, uh, he asked me to come back the next Tuesday so he could see the re- reaction itself. So the audience loved me. Tuesday night business started picking up. And next thing I knew, it moved me from Tuesday to Wednesday. And next thing I was a Friday and Saturday night, you know, headliners. So we, we, and then, but he had on the crawfish place. And the place closes down when, uh, you know, goes way down all the live entertainment stuff when the crawfish season is over. Right. So, so I was pretty much playing for him every Tuesday. And, uh, and and then sometime on Friday and Saturday, and that was keeping my keeping my bills paid because I like say I I've been di- diagnosed with the glaucoma and so I wasn't able to couldn't couldn't really do the work. So you, so time. so as I understand, you kind of so that became like a permanent gig. So that was a good thing. Yeah, it was a, right. it was a permanent gig for doing crawfish season. Um, as a matter of fact, I played there a couple. Fridays ago. Uh, oh, really? It, oh, that's great. And, so you'll still play. You'll still do that little small gigs here and there. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, love that's fantastic. Because uh, live, live performances really like shaped you as a, as a musician, as a performer, obviously. I mean, your live performances are amazing, right? So... Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. something that that where that you grew up doing that, and it's always kind of been a part of uh, yeah. of who mm-hmm. you are, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with with busting now. You know, I mean, uh, really, I it's just just to see what you know what what the outcome of it. Uh, Interesting. Uh, when because, was the last time you did that? Well, uh, I actually did it last night. <laughs> Oh, really? Where? Tell me. A uh, little restaurant uh, was over there in uh, Ruston. Uh, they had just opened it. It's the first time they had in a live entertainment. So um, I just got my uh, acoustic guitar, went out and sit in the lobby, just just get the reaction of the people. And you'd be surprised how many people that uh, would come up and say uh, that they, they they saw you know the commercial and they they looking forward to coming down and see you in person, um, and or seeing you on they, America's Got Talent or something. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm sure you get and then recognized I, for that all the time, right? Yeah, and then you know, and then what's the thing about they they sit back and I guess they they observe you for a moment and then they won't see how you're gonna react. Uh, but I'm basically down to earth. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm the same, same person. Um, and, and so, uh, I don't let 
success uh, changed my lifestyle uh, because uh, you are what who you are, you know, you are what you are, and mm-hmm. and and, and uh, you won't be all you can be, but you, you you're not gonna change what what you are, you know. You might change the destiny or make life a little easier, right? But you're still the same person, and, and uh, so I look at it like. When I'm doing these little shows, that's my rehearsal. That's yeah. That's my songwriting opportunity because I I can try anything or say anything and see the reaction from the people, and then and I'll know if this is something that can be beneficial to to you know the bigger a lot broader crowd. Because I mean I don't have problems. Sitting, uh, sitting in the yard uh, with two or three people, you know. Uh, sometimes I have my whole band just come over and we just, we just play, play in the yard and turn it up, entertain neighborhood. And you know, nobody really, they never pay any attention because if, if it's not a, an invite or invitation thing, they know we're working. So they, you know, most people don't, they, they, they might. Uh, They'll listen, but they don't come over and disturb us. Yeah, that, you know? in, in terms of fan interaction and fan reaction that you just said you kind of depend on as a performer, right? I mean, to see how people are reacting to you and such. I mean, how much has your visual impairment made it difficult for that or perhaps frustrating for you in that sense? Well, see, uh, I, when, I, when I couldn't really how to see it at all, oh, your ears become your eyes mm-hmm. and, and uh i can uh tell if the audience was loving it by their voice by their reaction for sure if, right yeah if they if they if they uh if they hollering and rude and, and, and pushing on when you know i didn't really i didn't really need to see them just feel them you know yeah. i know i'm where i where i want to be because you can I can see a little bit. Uh, I got what you call tunnel vision, mm. so I can see way away, but I can't see close up. Mm-hmm. So, what what tunnel vision does, you can't see the surrounding. So, if I can pick out one or two people, and just every now and then, because see the lights takes away the view that you do have. Right, yeah, it makes it even yeah, more yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah. Since when, when yeah. you already can't see that. it, you already can't see, and then you got 25, 30 spotlights zooming right in, right in your right. face. Like, you know, yeah, you're like, make it more difficult for me. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you know, even though that's where you want to be, you know, you you struggle to get there, and right. then uh, uh, so. Uh, and, and you know it's a joyful feeling and everything, but at the same time, you really don't you really don't see them. You just yeah. you know you you, okay. you, you that makes you sense. Make, yeah, yeah. I just wondered like that was just a, a nagging question that I had. I just wanted to see yeah, here. No, were, yeah, no, it's fine. They don't they don't uh, they they uh I notice people they watch to see try to see if you see them. You know they. 
they do little things, uh, a wave or something, you know, and, and then, you know, if I'm happen to, if I'm looking that way, I, I can see the reaction, you know, I, I can see the reflection, but I really can't visualize exactly who the person is because, you know, by the time I get focused on that, they're pretty much you right. know, gone. Right. Uh, but but, it, but and, yeah. and it's also like it's it it brings to um you know you it really makes you think like how much of an energy feel it is too in a live performance, right? I mean Yeah, yeah. Uh people uh I I get energy from the from the audience. That's where my scribes come from. Yeah, um, yeah. Even if I'm doing a solo gig. I, you got to find one person, you know, uh, that's patting their feet uh, mm-hmm. and, and focus on that feet. And if you can keep that, that feet patting, you know, yeah. <laughs> keep them, keep their toes tapping. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, and no, it won't be long before somebody else, you know, when you see people happy, it makes yeah. you want to. You want to get happy, you know. It's, people... an, it's in fact, in, in, I don't want to use the wrong term in co- during COVID, but it is infectious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> it, it's kind of like, kind of like smile. If 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 you smile, uh, people smile back. It, 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 I mean, a smile is a universal. It's a universal language. It works in any country, any, anywhere. If and if you frown. People would look at you and frown back because they were like, "What the hell are you frowning at me for?" You know, and then all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what you give out. So if you give out negative energy, you get negative. Yeah, energy. You, t- you get it. You get what you put, you mm. get what you put out there for sure. Mm. And, so and what, it's, it, yeah. it's easy. It, it's easy to ignore. You know, every now and then you get somebody that uh, throw negative vibes, uh, but you don't have to. You don't have to feed on it. You know, right? You, you can you can look right beside them, and there's somebody that's willing to smile. You know, so and if you give a, enough time before the night's over, they'll be smiling too, uh, because you can you can only play hard for so long. You know, and yeah, that's true. what I call it. I call it you know trying to play tough. Only can do it for so long. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, you can always tell people that you're you've got such a positive attitude. You got kicked out of prison for having too much fun. So that's always the ace. You got to oh, you guys. You always got an ace in your pocket, Robert. Yeah, yeah. I know. So I, I'm um I'm interested in this uh, this music maker relief fund. And what was your experience with them? And how did you meet up with them? And how did they help you? And tell me if I get this right, but it's an organization that helps um, musicians in the South and and mm. and kind of uh, help support. The continuing tradition of gospel and blues and uh, yeah. string players and Native Americans, I think, was the was their mission, right? Yeah, uh, I think I think it started uh, from what I could tell. It was organized after uh, Katrina, after the flood, ah, when okay. uh, all, mm-hmm. all the musicians in uh, New Orleans lost their equipment and stuff, and so they. Uh, that's where I found it from, and which I still get mail from uh, music makers. Uh, uh, they never miss, never miss my birthday or something, you know. <laughs> um, 
from sending me a card or a token or something. Uh, like I say, uh, they they helped me to get in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Helped me to get how, their how first they do that? Uh, because they're the one that introduced me to Fat Possum Records. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they vi- videoed some of my stuff and videoed me solo. And I sent it. And, I mean, and then they sent it to uh, Fat Possum. And the next thing, I they had found me a record deal with uh, Fat Possum. And so uh, I went down and uh, actually did the album, which I had already written all the songs. And so uh, Jimbo Mathis was uh, produced it. And uh, he had the musicians there that go way back, you know, the same guys played with Evans and, and uh, different ones. Um, he, he had those musicians in the studio, you know, uh, Al Green's drummer and all these guys, they showed me pictures and stuff with them and Isaac Hayes and all these guys. So I knew I was in the studio with professional musician. Right. And they were they were all saying, Man, you got a hit, you got a hit. And I'm like, for these guys have been in it all these years, and if they believed in it, that made made me believe in it more, you know. So I guess I pushed harder in it. Yeah. Uh, but uh we did the album and uh that's when I after I had done Was that the, the first one in twenty your first one in twenty sixteen that ain't don't mean a thing or was it before that? Uh that was it. Age no uh-huh. thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh we did that one. Like I say, I had did the other little thing uh in California in uh ninety eight, but uh we didn't have no sponsors, we didn't have nobody to push it. We just we were doing something, you know. The guy liked it. My voice and he did the recording for me. And uh so we it was a I never uh we never published it. We just ran some copies of CDs of it and, and started selling them on, the, uh, you know, on the on the little shows and on the sidewalks and stuff. Right. But uh, the first one that I actually did on a record label was "Age Don't Mean a Thing," mm-hmm. and and uh, so like I say, then come find out, uh, Dan, Arbach, uh was once with Fat Possum. Mm-hmm. And uh and uh so they already knew each other and Dan was looking for a voiceover for a song for an album he was doing. He was looking for a voiceover. Right. Uh and uh they called next thing I was I think I was in Europe somewhere uh, with the music maker band then and I got the call that uh Dan Arbach uh, wanted to uh, wanted to meet me and see me about doing a recording, and I I still didn't know who it was. You know, I had no idea <laughs> yeah. who, who Dan about was, but I was right. like, you know, I I talked to anybody, so <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I went down there, and we did it, but uh, Dan, I was so anyway. The guys from uh, Fat Possum introduced. Uh, you know, contacted Dan that I was the man that they might that I, they might be interested in getting to do it. Right. So actually, we had we had four days to record four songs, 
And uh, we got in there, and uh, I couldn't read the songs, and I didn't write them. So I was, Dan would have to tell me in my ear uh, what to say next. And so he would tell me what to say, and I'd sing it and uh, until I got the feel of it. And uh, so uh, it was like, damn, man, we just walked in off the street and nailed this crap. But uh, we did all four songs. And in less than four hours, and uh, finally, I he just told me to go up on, you, go, you know, he was working with the band, right, on the music, on the music, and uh, I would be up on top of the studio. I was just up there looking out across the city, uh, and listening to him. And when he called me down, uh, I just. I just, you know, I don't know. He say, "I just nail it and go back up. They'll start on another song." But right. they did all four songs in one day. Wow, are th- and, those uh, are songs that are on going platinum. Yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but I thought you said yeah. these are autobiographical. Why was Dan giving you the li- telling you the lyrics? Did you you didn't write those songs? I didn't write them. Him and Bobby Woods and Pat Goin, and you know they the ones that written those songs. Right. Uh, I, I didn't write any song on going platinum. Okay. Uh, it well, was Sharecropper's op- Son. Sharecropper's Son, I, I wrote all the songs. So what's that? Is that different for you to perform those or even to record if someone else has written them? Or can you kind of internalize? Because blues is very personal, right? I mean, yeah, you know, you, sort of- you, it's kind of like, I guess it's kind of like acting or anything else. Yeah. Uh, if it, you, you listen to the words... Of the song and regardless to whether it pertain anything going on in my life or not yeah and you kind I of have, like hone in on I, that right yeah i have yeah i have i have to become yeah yeah that yeah. person you maybe know, the better so. question is is it easier for you to sing the songs on sharecropper's son because they tell your story right yeah that, that's it's a lot easier to sing sharecropper's son uh because <clears throat> it's 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 my life you know and, and yeah yeah, but now uh, on going platinum, it wasn't a problem singing them. The problem were getting the lyrics, and that's mm-hmm. why by me not by me not writing it and and couldn't visually see how to read it. I mean, right. they had to play it, and I had to rely, rely on my memory. And yeah. so all I had to do, all Dan didn't really had to tell me every word he just had to give me a reminder of what verse was next mm-hmm. or whether it was the course or what you know he didn't have to go word for word right yeah he just just put me on the first sentence and then i i know the rest of the interesting the verse mm-hmm. and so i when you write you know when you when you write stuff you ain't gonna forget what you right. wrote but right. somebody else well, even it. if you do forget it, kind of, you get the gist. I mean, you wrote it, right? Who's mm-hmm. who's gonna who's gonna give you a problem for not saying the words right of your own songs? I guess, right? And then you know, sometimes, <laughs> some, know. sometimes it's it's good. You know, people know a lot of times fans know your song word for word. Oh, and, right, uh, yeah, you get that sing, problem. They, they sing along <laughs> with you, but uh, at the same time, uh, even if they know it word for word. If it's live, then 
it's okay to be different because you want every every time you go, you don't want to be like a, a broken record. Right. If everything is dead identical the same, then people say, I don't seen that. Uh I don't heard I don't watch that movie. The movie don't change. Yeah, you watch yeah. the same movie over and over. It don't change. Yeah, it's the beauty of live performance is that it's just mm-hmm. going to be different, right? I mean, yeah, you get that, to that, you get to put in your own kind of different sort of feel and yeah, you 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 do what the, what the audience is, is, is in need of. You know, like uh, sometimes uh, it depends on what you're singing about and, right. and who and who you're singing to, and so you feed on them. I mean, if they're really into what you into your music you can you can stop you can talk you yeah. can say what what's on your mind because and, and you can tease with the audience uh, and that's not on the record but that's right. what makes it that's what makes it live that's what makes it different every everybody wants something different and they all constantly looking for you to be better each show yeah. they want it to be better than the last time they saw you and and you got to make you know you got to make that you got to make that happen because they're expecting that do you uh, feel a pre- do you is that a good pressure for you is that something that oh, you yeah, kind of naturally feel i mean w- when you say they expect something different you're sort of talking about your own expect what you think their expectations are but i got a uh-huh. feeling uh you know that you're you're cu- you're bringing it every night Anyway, right? So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but you got you, you to keep them. That's your you bar. You're keep, setting your own. You're setting your own bar high. Yeah, you got you got to uh, keep them interesting. Yeah, and, yeah, and and the best way to keep people really interested is tell them something they hadn't heard, uh, some mm-hmm. that, that they, they hadn't seen know. before. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, do exactly. something they right. haven't seen, uh, even if it's a a crazy dance move or whatever, you know. But you gotta do something to keep them focused on you, right? You know what I'm saying? Because uh, if they paying at the door <laughs> and uh and, and and coming to see you, uh, it don't matter what you do. You don't want to. You don't. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to do the same thing you did last week and the same thing. You know, not even the same song order. You you want to have something that'll make them want to come back to, to see you again, something for them to talk about. Yeah, um, for sure. You got to, how you say you, you got to keep up the morale of the people. And yeah, yeah. And I, if a worst thing, worst scenario is you up there performing and, and singing and, and pouring your heart out and, and the audience is totally ignoring you. Yeah, you don't want to hear crickets, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, they over there talking about something that about about hunting, about who killed the biggest buck or whatever. You <laughs> and, and they they they're just not interested in what the artists are doing. Right. Then right. but if you if you if you really uh performing uh you're supposed to be able to to make them Stop that conversation. Yeah, yeah, you know for what sure. I'm saying? They How has, quit that and come and, 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 and watch you. 
What about your own uh, perception of live music and like who, what, what sort of performances have you seen over the years that have shaped you and made you the performer and who are your, your, your live performance idols? Oh, have you had man. a chance to see so many? Yeah. Uh, mo- you know, I, I was fascinated with James Brown. I was, uh, for action for, you know, he, he put the motion, he put the feeling into the music, you know. Uh, yeah. He, he didn't just stand there and sing because, I mean, if you got, uh, 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 you'd have the most beautiful world, voice in the world. And then, uh, if, but if you don't have the spirit to, to go with it. Right. You know, you know, and I, I love Al Green. Because of the music he wrote, and then at the same time, I liked the way he did the changeover from, uh, you know, from from uh, soul to gospel, from R and B to gospel, whatever. It was. But and it's important to me that I did some gospel on on my tracks because the gospel is really to where I was supposed to have been in the beginning. Right. But you have to do what you can do till you can do what you want to do. And so mm-hmm. I, if I wanted to be acknowledged, my best way would be doing it would be to sing the hell out of these blues. And then, uh, uh, once that uh, mission is accomplished and it's uh, you know it's been a success in the world, know you can do those blues. Then I can stop and sing my gospel, you know, because then people know they'll listen to you. Then, but uh, sometimes so you get have the to, you need to get the attention of those with blues right. first. And then yeah. go into the gospel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hit, I mean, hit him with the sad stuff, and then go to the faith uh, angle. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it, it don't really, it don't always have to be be sad blues. It, blues, uh, yeah, it's yeah, blues yeah, make yeah, you yeah. laugh. It make you jump. Right. But it's it's just the, basically the beat, the sound, the music, uh, and, and, and do you know get people or get their attention if, if you know. Make them want to dance. Make them want to listen. Make them want to know more about uh, about you. Whatever. Then you, you know, if I had started off talking about my Christianity, uh, most people would have tuned out because they, you know, mm-hmm. they, a lot of people don't just don't want to hear it and and uh, to each his own. But at the same time, if I'm doing it and able to, you know. If I'm able to get their attention and get my followers, then they'll listen when I come and do Holy Wine or I do uh, All My Hope. And I've had so many people say, oh, after the concert, thanks for singing that Jesus song. You know, people that uh, they people people don't uh, necessarily go to blues concerts because they got the blues, they go there to enjoy, 
you know, they they partying, they having a good time, mm-hmm. they re- they 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 relaxing. So you don't really have to sing them the blues, you know. They they want to hear what you got to say. So if you if you put some good gospel on them and, and get one of them old songs they can sing along with that they that they know, yeah. you you'd be surprised how many people. I mean, I I've sit in the bar. Two, two o'clock in the morning, and sing "Amazing Grace," and uh, and and look at uh, people. I don't know, be guilt or what, but people people actually start crying in in the bar, you know, <laughs> because if you got if it's in you wherever wherever you're at, you know, it, you're going to react to it. It's going to come out right, yeah, especially so at two, especially at two a.m. in a bar, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what's yeah. coming out of people at that point. <laughs> but yeah, not but to say know, that your version was not amazing, I'm sure, but you know. Yeah, I, talk well, about I preaching, this, preaching just, to the just, talk about preaching to the choir at that point. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah uh, I I just sing on because one thing about it, I would stop and I would tell people that I know where my blessings come from, and I will just say, look, if y'all don't mind. I know every see everybody. Everybody in the bar it, it, it don't even drink. Some people just there because they mm-hmm. like to be around people, you yeah. know. Uh, and then when you're doing something like a bar and a grill, a restaurant, uh, preachers get hungry too. So you know, like when I'm at the crawfish bar, I sing gospel, blues, rock, because everybody there has got a right. If the preacher can sit there and listen to me sing down home blues, then uh, the blues lover should be able to sit there and listen to me sing Amazing Grace. No, yeah. either one is not going to get up and walk out. You know, they're not going to get up and walk out uh, because if the preacher couldn't stand the blues, he wouldn't have came in the place to sit down and eat where he know. We're singing the blues. And how much so, do you think your dad that didn't want you playing the blues at the beginning? Does that does that like? How, well, know? like I said in the song, he's probably looking down from heaven, smiling on me now. Yeah, yeah I, now he is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So how how imp- I'm I'm, just, I'm I'm intrigued by the America's Got Talents and how important was that for you? Did you go into that intentionally or was that something that, how'd you get started and what was the uh, impetus was actually, that you had? I was actually, oh, I got a phone call and offered an opportunity to go. One of the young producers, a lady had seen a video or, or something of me and mm-hmm. she liked it. And so she reached out to, to my manager there and they, next thing I knew, I got a, Call asking would I be interested in going on the show? Um, mm. So once we got there and made it past the judges' cut, well, actually the first night, uh, the judges all uh, they loved you. They they loved you, and uh, I never got a negative vibe on my performance from any of the judges. Yeah. Uh, Howard said that on the uh, when when we did starting to see his 
comment was he loved me, but he wasn't sure that was the right song for that particular audience. But mm-hmm. then the, the audience booed him, and, uh, and then <laughs> and, and then uh, Simon came on and uh, agreed with the girls. Uh, so it wasn't never the performance; it was the choice of songs. And right, uh, right. and then uh, the last it, when we did the last show, the only thing was I did the soul song with a band and Simon had said he would rather I had did it by myself may have had more compact because he he knew I didn't need the band uh right. but that was something the producers were doing that wasn't you know that wasn't my suggestion because if, if we were going to do a band uh I would have wanted to take my original band you know, because they know all my stuff and knew everything. Uh, they've been, you know, been doing it with me all across the country. Yeah. But um, so I had a new kind of had a new band, and uh, yeah, it, it was a great performance. I looked at it back. I didn't see anything wrong with it, but like I say, he just felt like it would have uh, went over better if right, uh, right. if I hadn't so- had. Did the, the whole thing? With, what what kind of impact did that have on you and your career? I assume it was uh, it was kind of a positive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely an eye opener because, uh, first of all, it was a four month vacation that I couldn't afford. Uh, yeah, that, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where were you? Where were you based when you were doing them? Was that in L.A.? Well, we started out in in, in Los Angeles, and then uh, we did the last two shows in Hollywood. Ah, so okay. um, you know, like I say. To come, uh, to go from the Cotton Field to Beverly Hills, yeah, it, really, it couldn't have been no better for me. Right. Wow. I, so uh, we got man. My daughter went for a tour up in Beverly Hills, and and uh, you know I made a few marks, remarks about uh, look for a for sale sign because you know we'll be we'll be up here pretty soon. But that really, <laughs> <laughs> that really <laughs> yeah. But that was that really wasn't my my dream to, to move. I'm a country boy, and uh, I like country living. So, um, it, regardless to to success, when when we get a break, I'll be headed back. You know, to, to the yeah. country. Right on, right on. Yeah. Well, this new album is 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 uh, is really great. I I, I love and the new singles in that video is amazing. Um, so you know, I I applaud you, and you you've come through so much and you have just this amazing story to tell and i'm so glad that you're that you're willing to 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 share you know i mean you have so much history what do you feel like you do you think about your you you mentioned um james brown and al green and clearly there's a blues tradition in the south um Where do you feel like you are in that, and do you reflect on 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 uh, now that you're of a, a recording artist and you have a level of uh, of notoriety? Do you see yourself on that on that spectrum of of blues artists? No, uh, I try to. Uh, what I'm trying to do is more or less not be uh, labeled as a particular. As you know, per se, a blues artist mm-hmm. or a rock. Uh, I push at being like 
a gumbo, being flexible to do, give the people what they want and whatever kind of party it is or whatever they celebrate, to be able to uh, fit in, get how you say, get in where you fit in. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to be more like one of those artists that if 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 you want rock and roll, we give you rock and roll. If you want blues, we give you we give you blues. Uh, so more or less being being able to to do it all, and then that even with this album, you get a taste of everything in it. And, and if you got a taste of everything in it, uh, that gives you an opportunity to be nominated. As uh, for a blues song, you could be nominated for a rock and roll song. Uh, It just depends on what the uh, person that's doing the nominate, what style of music they they like. Uh, So if uh, they like rock and roll, they're gonna pick one of the rock and roll songs, uh, a one that rocks, and uh, then they you could be nominated. for rock and roll, uh, and then at, at the same time, if they into southern soul or into, or there's no on that album. There's always one song that could be nominated in any in any field, you know. In in, mm-hmm. in the, so you can buy one album and get it all. So I call it gumbo. You know, it's a right, little bit of right. everything in there. <laughs> so you don't feel like you're you're one particular like you want you're you're out there doing 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 what you do you you have all this years of experience at your back and you have uh, this um this incredible kind of perspective about your life and about um you know this this wonderful way that 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 you move about and uh and this this amazing spirit that clearly has been with you your entire life obviously (laughs) so that's kind of, I think that's more, that seems like that's more your differentiating uh, yeah. factor. What yeah, you kind of bring, what, what you bring. Yeah, because the. Uh, Not wanna, to take anything away from this, your remarkable music, your remarkable musical talents. I mean, and, and, and that comes across, obviously, but um, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, just being able for people to open up and let you in mm. uh, you know what I'm saying when 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 I'm saying that cuz that's what they're really doing when people open up to you and in, in so many ways they could be vulnerable to you uh but they you know that that trust that they have in a stranger yeah. i've had people i've had people tell me i mean even in france and in germany um when you come back you don't have to stay at a motel. You, you stay at our house. So, and for a total stranger, they want to take you into the into the house. Uh, even uh, Dwayne said uh, on America Got Talent, he, he asked, "Could I he adopt me into his family?" <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's serious or not, but uh, you know, I, I was going to tell him to get my room ready. <laughs> you know, I, that's, that's quite an honor. But when people open up their hearts and to you, that says a lot. Because very few people 
will invite someone into their home and and don't know anything about them, you know. Um, right. And, you know, it could be a psycho or whatever, you know, you never know. Because there could be a psycho that's inviting you, too. You got to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got to be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful where you go, too. But, but right. just the idea of people of, to open up and let yeah. you in. I mean, it's the it's the, the concept, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Just the thought of it is what counts, you know. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you have that kind of you, you have that generous soul and an open heart. I can tell, and uh, clearly, that's that's it's informed your music over the years. And um, and you have an uh, you have an amazing story, Robert. Thanks so much for sharing with me. It's it's uh, it's oh. been it's been an honor to talk to you, and it's uh, um, I can't wait to see you perform. Well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate it, uh, and I thank you guys for, for you know giving me an opportunity to to, to get it off my chest. To, to say to talk about <laughs> the pleasure, <laughs> the pleasure is all mine, man. The pleasure is all mine. Three, three, hey, three or four years ago, nobody gave the damn where I come from or what I did, you know. So that's yeah, that's a reward that uh, that the world want to know. I mean, yeah. I mean, age don't age don't mean a thing, right? I'm no, I'm not, I'm not a youngster. I'm, I'm younger than you, but you know, I'm 57. You're 60. We're what? You're 10 years older than me. Yeah. Seems like you lived a hell of a lot more life than I did. I mean, I didn't grow up on a <laughs> in in the way that you did. Um, uh, and I and I and I um I applaud you for that and for your spirit and you know I like to sit around and just have a drink and joke around with you sometime because uh, I love I love hearing your laugh and I love laughing with you too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get a chance to do that one day. Yeah, right on. I'd enjoy that, man. Uh, so good luck to you, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> Okay, that was Robert Finley with me virtually uh, for that interview. Really enjoyed it. He's led such an intriguing life, and I'm so glad that he's finally that his passion of music has finally um, been able to offer him a level of recognition that I believe he well deserves. Um, I'm really excited for uh, the release of his upcoming album, Sharecropper's Son, on May 21st, which is produced by Dan Auerbach, and it's on Easy Eye Sound, so everyone look for that album. Um, Robert's been a performer his entire life, and uh, while it was interesting to hear about his upbringing it was uh, also intriguing to hear how he's been in music and been uh, captivated by live performance uh, since he was a young child, and uh, especially the famous, by now, famous story of him uh, getting the guitar at 12 and taking money for shoes and doing that, and uh, uh, just great stories like that, and um, the visual, the challenges that he's faced with his um, visual impairment have been significant, but, you know, it's the energy of the performance, like he said that that gets him through um i he's just got such a, a generous spirit uh and a fun loving soul and i love that about robert and i wish him the best of luck it was also really interesting to learn about music maker relief foundation and i would urge anyone to go uh visit their website uh check out some of the artists that they support and the great work that they do so I want to thank everyone for being here and joining me on this episode. And I want to especially thank Robert Finley for taking the time to sit down and talk with me on this episode of Road Case. 
Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And if you are able to and like to support Roadcase, we have a Patreon site at patreon.com slash roadcasepod. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Yeah.